more looking for Messiah. Jesus Christ is come to earth. He's the one the prophets spoke of. So long we had waited for. Hear the words of his believers for Messiah. Search no
hear the shout of all believers. Jesus Christ is dead no more. old sinner through his death I die no more I die no more he Page number 110, blessed be the name of the Lord. He lives this morning. Let's sing it out to him. All three verses, page 110. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing, blessed be the name of the Lord, the glories of my God and King, blessed be the name of the Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name, blessed be the name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Jesus, the name that charms our fears. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Tis music in the sinner's ears. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name, blessed be the name, blessed be the name of the Lord. He breaks the power of canceled sin. Blessed be the name of the Lord. His blood can make the foulness clean. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name, blessed be the name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name, blessed be the name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. Great start. I'm glad I don't serve a dead God, amen, and uh, what an awesome uh, choir uh, special, that'll make a dead Baptist shout right there, amen, And uh, but just so grateful, thankful that Christ is risen from the dead, we have a Savior, we have the promise of eternal life, and uh, what a blessing that is. Well, sure, thankful that you're here this morning, and so let's go to the Lord in prayer, we, we need our great God to meet with us too, amen. I'm going to ask Brother Jim Wisdom if you would pray for us this morning.
Amen. Won't you be seated just for a moment uh, this morning? I did just want to mention uh, some things here very, very quickly uh, coming up here uh, this next week. Of course, ladies, don't forget about uh, Tuesday night uh, is the ladies' meeting, and that is at 7 o'clock. And so, ladies, if you plan on being here for that, it's over in the fellowship hall. You're asked to bring finger foods and then also a ladies' uh, birthday gift. And so, again, that's 7 o'clock Tuesday night. And then also this coming Friday night, be hosting or having a harvest party. And, uh, of course, uh, that's uh, Friday. And so if you have kids uh, in Faith Baptist School, they'll be partaking of that from 1 o'clock to 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And then, of course, that evening it'll be opened up uh, to the church. uh, And that'll be from 7 o'clock until uh, 9 o'clock. And just wanted to mention uh, this. We were able to do some outreach yesterday to give out some flyers and and things like that, but there are also some more of these flyers back there on the back table, and so maybe if you have a neighbor uh, that you'd like to invite them and their kids uh, to come, or some friends or coworkers or however that is, maybe you want to go uh, back this week and just kind of canvas your area that you live in, and that's certainly uh, fine, uh, but anyways, these flyers are back there, and certainly want to invite you to make yourself available uh, to those and, and take uh, some of those home. I I know this, and I've, I've said this the last several times I've announced this, but we don't do Halloween and all that kind of stuff. That's demonic and ungodly, uh, but we do uh, certainly want to be a blessing to families, and and uh, so we've got candy and stuff back there, and we, we'll have a bunch of games over in the E.J. Watson Gymnasium, but this is what I've seen over the past several years of doing this, is a lot of times family will come to that when they won't come to church, or when they you know wouldn't be willing to come to church, but they'll come to something like that, and that's really kind of a doorway to get them to come to the house of the Lord. But not only that, but they get around God's people, we can witness to them, we can talk with them about the gospel and things like that. And so we want families to know, we want them to know that Christ died for them and wants them to be saved and that there's a church here that cares about their soul. And so that's the whole intention and idea about that. And, and plus, we can, you know, fill up your kids full of candy and send them home with you, too. Amen. And it's just a blessing all around. Amen. Get them all good and hyped up. All right, brother. Amen. Well, did you hear the joyful sound this morning? Amen. Jesus saves. He still saves. Oh, come on. He still saves this morning. Amen. Let's turn to page 363. Page 363. Let's all stand. We have heard the joyful sound. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Sing it out on that first verse. We have heard the joyful sound. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Spread the tidings all around. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Bearing the news to every land. Climb the steeps and cross the waves. Onward tis our Lord's command. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Wafted on the rolling tide, Jesus saves, Jesus saves, tells the sinners far and wide, Jesus saves, Jesus saves, sing ye islands of the sea, and go back the ocean caves, earth shall keep her jubilee, Jesus saves, Jesus saves, sing above battle strike. Jesus saves, Jesus saves, by his death and endless life. Jesus saves, Jesus saves, singing softly through the gloom, when the heart for mercy craves. Sing 
in that last verse it says it's full and it's free amen salvation was free to us it cost our lord but it was free to us amen praise the lord for his salvation turn to page 618 page number 618 stand up stand up for jesus we'll sing all four verses this morning page number 618 Stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. Lift up his royal banner, it must not suffer loss. From victory unto victory, his army shall be and shake hands together this morning. Good to have each one here. Thankful for some visiting back with us today. We're glad you chose to be here this morning.
The strife will not be long. Amen. Let's sing it out together on that last verse. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. The strife will not be long. This day, the noise of battle. The next, the victor song. To him that overcometh, a crown of life shall be. He with the King of glory shall reign eternally. Amen. Great singing. Brother Tim, come right ahead. As the men come forward for the offering, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 14 says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Brother John Ellis, would you pray for the offering this morning? Turn to page number 440 with me and stand one last time for our last song together. A shelter in the time of storm. Aren't you thankful that our Lord is our shelter this morning? Page number 440. <clears throat> Sing it out together on the first verse. The Lord's our rock, in Him we hide. A shelter in the time of storm. Secure whatever ill be tied. A shelter in the time of storm. Oh, Jesus is a rock in a weary land. A weary land, a weary land. Oh, Jesus is a rock in a weary land. A shelter in the time of storm. A shade by day, defense by night. A shelter in the time of storm. No fears alarm, no foes 
a shelter in the time of storm. Oh, Jesus is a rock in a weary land, a weary land, a weary land. Oh, Jesus is a rock in a weary land, a shelter in the time of storm. The raging storms may round us beat, a shelter in the time of storm. We'll never leave our safe retreat, a shelter in the time of storm. Oh, Jesus is a rock in a weary land, a weary land, a weary land. Oh, Jesus is a rock in a weary land, a shelter in the time of storm. Oh, rock divine, oh, refuge dear, a shelter in the time of storm. Be thou our helper ever near, a shelter in the time of storm. Oh, Jesus is a rock in a weary land, a weary land, a weary land. Oh, Jesus is a rock in a weary land, a shelter in the time of storm. Thankful for that shelter this morning. Amen. You may be seated. Wonderful singing. Just before the message this morning, we'll have a special from Ms. Carrie Quinlan and Ms. Phyllis Watson.
blessing. Boy, sure thankful it's not in vain. Amen. And uh, we serve a risen Savior, and uh, what a blessing. Well, I believe, in fact, I believe that the book of Romans kind of closes out uh, maybe in a similar, uh, with a similar uh, encouragement there. So take your Bibles with me and turn to Romans and chapter number 16, and uh, let's all stand this morning in, the honor, in honor of God's uh, Word. And I have some good news and I have some bad news. <clears throat> so the bad news is we are finishing the book of Romans this morning. But the good news is we might not finish the book of Romans this morning. <laughs> so <clears throat> we're just going to let the Lord lead on that, okay? Uh, but I would like to kind of just see all of this here. But Romans chapter number 16, verse number uh, 1. And as I read, you pray for me that I pronounce all these names correctly, okay? But the Bible says this, I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church, which is at Centria, and that you receive her in the Lord as become as saints, and that ye assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of you, for she hath been a succourer of many, and of myself also. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus, who have for my life laid down their own necks, unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house, and salute my well-beloved Epinetus, or Epinetus, or however you say his name, who is the firstfruits of Achaia unto Christ. Greet Mary, who bestowed much labor on us. Salute Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners who are of note among the apostles uh, who also were in Christ before me. Greet Amplius, my beloved in the Lord. Salute Urbane, our helper in Christ. And Statius, my beloved. Salute Apelles, approved in Christ. Salute them which are of uh, Aristobulus in uh, Aristobulus's household. Salute Herodian, my kinsman. Greet them that be of the household of Narcissus, which are in the Lord. And that's Narcissus, not like we think Narcissus today. I always, his name always catches my eye, amen. He must have been all about me, amen. It's not the idea. Uh, verse number 12, salute Tryphena and Tryphosa who labor in the Lord. Salute the beloved Persis which labored much in the Lord. Salute Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother and mine. Salute that guy, Asyncritus. Uh, 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 Phlegion, Hermas, Petrobus, Hermes, and the brethren which are with them. I think Paul was like, I just can't pronounce any more of these names too. Just the brethren that be with them. Amen. Salute Philologus and Julia, uh, Nuru, Nuru, anyways, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints which are with them. Salute one another with a holy kiss. In the Greek, that's a handshake. The churches of Christ salute you. Now I beseech you, brethren. Now watch the change here. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And by Good words and fair speeches, 
deceive the hearts of the simple. Do you notice that? All right. So notice it goes on. For your obedience has come abroad unto all men. I am glad, therefore, on your behalf, but yet I would have you wise uh, unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. And notice he begins to mention Timothy and Lucius and Jason and Sosipater in verse number 21. And he begins to go on down and list some other men. But I'm going to stop reading right there because I, I feel like just the Lord may have some more for us. And so we may make it into the end of this. We may uh, not this morning. But here's, here's what I would say to you. You know, you get to passages like this. I always think of the Old Testament where it talks about so-and-so begot so-and-so and so-and-so begot so-and-so. And the tendency is this, even in our Bible reading, that we breeze through these things and not really give a thought to the names or anything like this. But what I want you to get, what I want to get across to you this morning is this, is that these were real people. Their lives had been impacted by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And because of that, they were serving the Lord. And what I read when I read all of this, and, and even everything that I see here, is here's what I see. As I see people, I see people that helped in the ministry. But I also see Paul warning of people that hinder the ministry. Helpers and hinders. So what I would say to you this morning is this. Which one are you? Because I don't know about you, but I want to be on the side that helped and that served the Lord. So I don't know if we're going to finish out the book of Romans this morning, but I would say this, that if we do, I want to be found faithful in helping, serving the Lord until He comes. Father, would you bless the preaching now, and I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Won't you be seated uh, this morning? I am... Uh, I'm against a lot of things. I, I really, there's a lot of things I hate. And one of the things that I have a tremendous passion of hatred for is moving. <laughs> Some of you thought that was going in a different direction, didn't you? <clears throat> I do, man. I, I, uh, I, I can remember uh, when our kids were smaller and, you know, we, we moved on, on several different occasions. We moved to Springfield. We moved to Cassville. And and uh, even moved a couple of times there in Cassville uh, as we purchased different homes. And when my kids were smaller, I mean, listen, it was, it was misery uh, because, you know, they, you did everything and mom and dad did everything or you asked for help. And what I also found out is that my passion, my passionate hatred for moving was also one that was shared by many others. And so when you had, you needed people to help you move, they were like, well, I got stuff I got to do on that day. And Anyways, I got to, you know, I mean, you make up stuff, you know, and I, I understand that. I'm, I'm thankful now that, you know, the kids are older and can pull their own weight and stuff like that. And so you, that you have help whether they want to or not. Amen. Child labor is a blessing. Amen. That's what I used to say. I heard a guy talking about his kids helping in ministry and, I, and it dawned on me. We should have had more kids because our staff would have been much bigger. Amen. But I, I can remember... I can remember a couple of times, and you know, and not necessarily any time specific, but I can remember a couple of times where we'd get ready to move, or we were moving some furniture around in the house, or whatever the occasion may be, and 
you know, and I'd have my older girls, Taylor and Madison and, and them, they'd be, you know, they'd be on one end of the couch and I'd be on the other end. We'd be getting ready to lift it. And the boy, you know, when he was small, he'd be sitting on the couch eating a bag of potato chips. You know what I'm saying? What I'm trying to get across to you is this, is that there were those that wanted to help, but then there was that one that always wanted to hinder. And, and really, what, if I could say it to you like this, ministry can be much the same way. And that's really what Paul begins to bring out in this text as he closes out this letter to the believers in, in Rome. He begins to list this host of believers for them to to receive in, to greet, to salute, however he puts it. And as already mentioned, you and I might come across this and, and not really think anything about it, but I believe what Paul is saying here in the text is this, is that ministry cannot be done by one man alone. There, there, has, to be, there has to be helpers. And, and certainly when you think about it in what we just looked at, in the previous uh, two messages, and in the previous chapter, it certainly makes sense. And what I mean by that is that when you go back to the beginning of chapter number 15, as the book is, is closing out, Paul rehearses his, his uh, calling and his ministry to the Gentile believer, and he's, uh, to the Gentile believers, and he's doing it to the Jewish believers that are in Rome. And basically his idea was this, is that, he was kind of trying to get them to grab a hold of this vision of what church ought to be. And that church ought to be this, that the gospel is meant for every person. And that God, God can save uh, people and change their, their lives. And that church ought to be this, where people come in and they hear the gospel and they trust Christ as their Savior and that we as believers begin to come around them and help them to grow in their faith. And so Paul is relating that and saying, this is the way church ought to be. And then in the second half of the chapter, he begins to share his heart for the gospel and how it's to go to Spain. And, and he's begging the believers at Rome to strive together with me in prayer. Well, why? Because he's trying to get them to grab a hold of this vision that, that what, what is going on in the city of Rome and where people are getting saved and their lives are being changed, that's not just meant for them. It's meant to go around the world. And so it's the idea of this is what church ought to be and this is what missions ought to be. And now he gets to chapter number 16 and you find all of these lists of names. And what Paul is saying is this, is that when you think about those two ministries, the local church and worldwide missions, those things cannot be done alone. There has to be, there, there has to be help. You, you think about missionaries, and you understand, I, I know this church understands this, but, but you, you know, churches have to come alongside them and, and not only pray for them, but get financially behind them and, and support them. Well, why? Because without that help, they're not going to be able to make it to where God has called them to go. And so you understand that they need help. But, but also, listen, also, if, if Faith Baptist Church is to be everything that God intends for her to be, well, we need help. Come on, we, we, need, we, we need help for the harvest party. We, we need help for, you know, things like a youth rally. We, we need help uh, when, it comes to, when it comes to outreach. We need help in 
preparing the kids to go to camp. We need help at vacation Bible school. Listen, the list could go, could go on and on and on with the things that we're trying to do to reach out to our community and to see people saved and for church to be what it should be. And I'm just saying to you that, that it cannot be done by one or two or three people. It's got to be done with a multitude of helpers. And people that would come alongside and link arms together and say, let's do this for the cause of Jesus Christ. This, this is the way that I put it. If I were writing a letter and ending it similar to, to the book of Romans, the way that it's ending here, this is the way that I would put it. Salute Eric and Phyllis Watson and their household. You know, Eric has the unfortunate job of being the assistant pastor. You know what that means? That means this, he does everything I don't want to do. And if you know me, that's a lot of stuff. And on top of that, runs the buses and the school and outreach and music and choir. And Miss Philly works a full-time job and works in the school, drives a church van, plays piano, and a list of other things on top of putting up with Brother Eric. That was, Philly should have been like, amen. I'd... Salute Eric and Phyllis Watson in their house. Greet, greet Tim and Anna Quinlan and their kids. Brother Tim works a full-time job and does the youth department, drives a bus on Sundays and Wednesdays, and Miss Anna makes cookies for Wednesday night service, praise God, and helps in the youth department. Neither one of these families knew I had this in my message this morning either. Do you know this? And, I, and I'm, just, I, I'm just, just thinking about these two families. There are oftentimes where you see their vehicles up here at church late in the evenings throughout the week. I always, I, you know, I, I can be sitting in my office on Saturday and hear Tim's Mazda brrr, go through the parking lot. And I want you to understand this. Please don't, make, please don't think that as their pastor, I make them do those things. That's the blessing of it all. In fact, that's oftentimes they'll tell you this. I tell them all the time, get a life. But, but you understand, that, that's the sacrifice and the service that they do, because here's why, they're helpers in the ministry. You understand, I could list a host of other names that are here, even this morning, deacons and trustees and Sunday school teachers and junior church workers. Glory, hallelujah. And nursery workers. That's basically wardens for the jail back there, amen. And security and ushers and people that are behind the scenes praying and people that give secretly to be a blessing to others and and again, the list could go on and on. But, but here's, here's the point of what I'm trying to get across to you is that if we were preparing a letter that would be similar to this, would it be, would it be that, that, that your name and, and my name is, is on the letter as one that helps? Or, or would we find our names falling under the category of one that hindered the ministry that God desired at Faith Baptist Church in Olathe, Kansas? And by the way, let me say this. You can still have a place of service, but have a spirit that hinders. But that's the idea, see, this morning. And, and so I want to just, you know, just kind of take our time here and just look at some of these things here that, that Paul gives us here. The first thing that I would say to you is this, is that you and I need to see that if we're going to, you know, we're going to find out where we're at on this list here, then we need to see, what, well, what does it mean? What are the, what are the characteristics of those that, 
that, that help here in, in verses 1 all the way down through 16 and that we read in these long list of names beginning with Phoebe in verse number 1 all the way down to verse number 16 where, where Paul asks and he says things like greet them or receive them in or, or salute them or I commend unto you or whatever the case may be. These were those that, that, that were helped by by the Apostle Paul, or even the believers in Rome. And it's through these examples that you and I can see what it means to really, what I would say to you is to be a helper in the ministry and what God has, what God has called us to. Let me, let me give you some things this morning and kind of explain to you what, what I mean. Number one is this. Helpers submit themselves to the pattern Christ commanded. Let me say that again. Helpers submit themselves to the pattern that Jesus Christ has, has commanded. Look, look at the example of Phoebe in verses 1 and 2. It says, I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church, which is at Centria. And I love this instruction to them. He says, that ye receive her in the Lord, watch this, as becometh saints. Because you know what? It's appropriate that God's people would be hospitable. And by the way, and it doesn't matter if they're male or female or black or white or whatever, we receive them in. That, that's what he's talking about there. And then it says, and that ye assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of you, for she hath been a succour of many and of myself also. So, so in, in, in fact, you can read to the end of the book, and if your Bible is like mine, it has a little addendum at the end of the chapter and at the end, you begin to find out that Phoebe was actually, she was actually the carrier of the letter of Romans. Now think about that. Well, you know, God just can't use women in the ministry. Well, I think He's using one right here. And you understand, without her, we wouldn't have this precious book to study and preach through this morning. But, but notice also what Paul says about her as he instructs the believers at Rome to receive her in and to help her. Look at what he says. He says, I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister. You know what that means? That means this, Phoebe be saved. Phoebe was saved. And I know, well, preacher, I mean, well, duh. I mean, she's a helper in the ministry. And I, I realize that means, might be something maybe silly that we would see as to point out. But you also got to consider this, that people oftentimes get the cart before the horse in this area. In other words, they want to serve and they want to get involved in ministry, which is a good thing, but they haven't even trusted Christ as their Savior yet. And, and you understand, oftentimes they do that because they're wanting to do good works to give the perception to others that, that they are spiritual, or maybe even there's something going on in their soul and something going on in their heart, and they know that they're not right with God, but they want to try to do these good works to try to appease their conscience. But here's something that you have to understand. That is not the order and the way that the things of God are done. First, you need to humble yourself and repent and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Before you worry about serving other people, you better worry about where you stand before Almighty God. And you better understand how you need to deal with your sin before Him and what the Bible says. And what I'm saying to you this morning is this, is that if, you've, if there's never been a time or a place where you've called upon the name of the Lord to be saved, then, then helping here and, and there in, in, in the house of the Lord, 
That, that's not what you need right now. What you need is to be saved. What you need is to know Christ as your Savior. Now watch this, because here's why. If you never deal with salvation, then you stand in danger of falling right into the pattern of what Christ said at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. I want you to hold your place there in Romans 16 and go with me to Matthew chapter 7. And look at what Jesus said. Go Matthew chapter 7 real quick. Here's what Jesus said. The great Sermon on the Mount that began in chapter number 5. It's about to end in chapter number 7. Here's what He says in Matthew chapter 7. Look at, look at verse 21. Look at what Jesus said. He said, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Let's just stop right there. That ought to scare the pants off of anybody. He said, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Watch this. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, meaning preached, and in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful, what's that word right there? Works. You know what he's saying? He's saying this, there's going to be a lot of people that come before me and they're going to say, well, I've done this in the church and I helped out here in the church. And Well, you remember that one time I was involved at the harvest party and, and was helping out with the kids or I volunteered to do this and I'm just trying to, trying to help out. And look at what it says at the end. Jesus said, and then I will profess unto them, I never, what's that right there? Knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. You say, what, what are you trying to get across, preacher? Well, here's what I'm trying to get across is that when he, says, when he says in verse 21, when he says that what, what, what's going to get us into heaven is to do the will of the Father, the will of the Father is not that you sign up to help out on the harvest party sheet. You know what the will of the Father is? It's that you know Jesus Christ is your Savior. That there's been a time and place, listen to me, that there's been a time and place where you realize that you are a sinner and that He is the Savior, and that you were on your way to hell for your sins, and you got on your face and humbled yourself and said, I'm a sinner, you're the Savior, I'm turning away from these things, and will you be my Savior? And you call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. And you establish a personal relationship with the God of heaven and earth through faith in Jesus Christ. When you personally know God through His Son, that, my friend, is the will of the Father. That's the will of the Father. It is. Listen, you, I praise God for people being willing to help. But you understand, you, you need to be saved before you do anything else. Don't try to appease your conscience. or Well, I got just my, man, my stomach. I'm a, I'm a ball of nerves and I'm all messed up. That's called Holy Ghost conviction. And what God's wanting you to do is not to try to cover it up with a bunch of do's and this and doing that and doing this and helping out here. What God's wanting you to do is to humble yourself and come to Him in salvation, and that's when He'll save you. See, that's when He'll save you. See, that's, that's, that's where it starts. Phoebe was a sister. She got saved first. Is everybody getting this? Look, look at the next thing. Look, look at the next thing here. <laughs> I like this. Look at the next thing here. Verse number 1, And I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, listen to this, which is a servant of the church, which is at Centria. Did you, did you catch that? She's a servant of the church. The, the church at Centria was in the Achaia region near Corinth. And it's believed that this is where the epistle of Rome, uh, Romans was written from. But here's the greater point. Phoebe was not only saved, watch this, 
But she had surrendered her life and followed Jesus Christ in baptism and became a member of that church. It's almost like a pattern. It's almost like what you read in the book of Acts where, where people got saved and they, when they got saved, they followed Christ in baptism. Not, not, not to be saved, but because they were already saved by grace through faith. And, and based on their baptism, they became part of that church. Amen. And they learned to serve God there. It's almost like there's this pattern. of Phoebe got saved, then she submitted herself to baptism and became part of that church. And started growing, in, oh come on, started growing in her faith. Yeah. I mean listen, you know, we got this generation today that just wants to do everything their own way. Well, I don't really need church. Yeah, you do need church. Yeah. How are you supposed to grow? Listen, but here's the thing. It's not that you need, here's the, here's the thing. That's the command of Jesus Christ. That's the example of Jesus Christ. Christ was baptized. You're saying you're so much better than Him, you don't need to follow Him in baptism? Amen. And, and, and Christ died for the church and gave Himself for the church. It's not like He was sitting around going, you know, some of these people might need something to do. Here's church. No, it was His plan that you would be saved by grace through faith and that you would follow Him in baptism and become part of one of His churches and begin to grow in your walk with Him and learn how to serve Him. And Phoebe is falling right into that pattern. What I'm trying to get across to you is this. Phoebe wasn't a maverick. Uh Phoebe didn't have an arrogant, prideful spirit going, well, I'm just going to do things the way I want to do and I don't really care what you say, Paul. Which is about what some women have today and some men too. This Jezebel spirit and this Jezebel attitude, that wasn't Phoebe. Phoebe humbled herself, so I need to be saved. And I want to follow what Christ said to do in my life. He's the one, he, he's the one that saved me. And, and so you understand, and look at verse number 2. In, in verse number 2 it says that he re- you receive her in the Lord as become a saints, and that you assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of you, for she hath been a succor of many and of myself also. See, though Phoebe was a woman, she was being used mightily of God. But, but here's the thing. She wasn't trying to usurp every authority in her life. She humbly came alongside and helped wherever it was needed and whoever it was needed. Do you not see the character of Phoebe as she is a helper in the ministry? She wasn't trying to do her own thing. She simply humbled herself to the pattern of Jesus Christ. Listen to me. You want to have the characteristic of a helper? You want to be a helper in Faith Baptist Church? This is where it starts right here. It starts with you and I realizing, listen, this ain't about us, and it ain't about us doing our thing. No, no, no. What God needs is for His people to humble themselves. They need to be saved. They need to follow the Lord in baptism. They need to become part of one of His churches, and then they need to serve God based upon His terms, not theirs. That's what Phoebe did. That's exactly what Phoebe did. Let Let me tell you something else here. Here's something else that helpers do. I can tell this isn't going over very well, so we better move on. But that's okay. I'm just telling you, that's what the Bible says. You can like a lump and bump it or jump it, but that was the character of Phoebe, and we need a lot more humility around here than we need arrogancy and pride. Let me tell you number three. Look at verse number three. He says, Greet Priscilla and Aquila and my helpers in Christ Jesus who have for my life laid down their own necks and unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Notice in verse 5a, likewise greet the church that, that is in, his, in their house. 
And I think maybe we could say it like this, and looking at their character, here's what I would say about helpers, is that helpers sacrifice themselves for the cause of Jesus Christ. These are Priscilla and Aquila, the husband and wife team. Familiar people within the Scriptures because they're mentioned elsewhere. Paul met them in Corinth in the book of Acts. They were tent makers like Paul. Paul led them to Christ. They got saved, immediately jumped head first into ministry, and God would use them in a mighty way. They were in Corinth at the time because Rome had forced all the Jews out of the city. However, we see here that they must have been allowed back in, and they even started a church in their house. You may not realize this, probably many of you do, but you know, churches in those days, they weren't allowed to buy property and buildings uh, like we have today. And so they often met uh, in, in homes and, and things like that. This is what I thought was pretty cool. I was talking to my wife about this. But when we went to Italy, we stayed two days in Rome. And then we, we went to uh, uh, Cevdevicchia uh, and got on a, to the port city there on the coast and got on a cruise ship. And so we did a Mediterranean cruise around the Mediterranean Sea, and we came back uh, to, the, to uh, Civitavecchia and got off. And so we came back to Rome and stayed an, uh, another day and a half in Rome. And so we had another full day in Rome. So the first time we saw, like, the Colosseum and, and all those different things, well, the next time that we came, we wanted to see all the stuff that had to do with the Scriptures. Like we saw where Paul was in prison, and we saw where he was beheaded, and where Peter was crucified upside down. But one of the places that we got to go to was, was called, it was, uh, some, it, they have uh, several different ones, but one of the ones we picked out was on the, I think it was on the uh, north, northeast side uh, of the city, but it was catacombs. And basically it was these tombs that were underneath the city and they had tunnels where you could walk down through and see where there were burial places and sepulchers and different places like that. And, and as the guy started taking, this, this was what was cool. He started taking us through and he explained to us how this set of catacombs that we were looking at, how it started. And how it started was there was a, woman, a wealthy woman in the city of Rome named Priscilla. I don't think it was the same one here. But what happened was she had, she had this property that was located outside the central, city, central part of Rome. She had all of this property and she gave it to the Christian community so that they could bury their dead because they were being martyred at the time. And they didn't have anywhere to put their dead. And so she gave her property to them and so they would meet on her property. They would have church. They would do those things but they also buried their dead uh, down below. And so you saw... You saw places where like there were, you know, full-size bodies and there, were, there could be multitude, uh, you know, uh, two or three uh, bodies laid in that one. You also saw some about that, that long where children were killed. It's pretty sad, isn't it? You know, we sleep in church today. And they were running for their lives back then. powerful and this is what was interesting is that those catacombs he said this he said he said it was given by their this family this wealthy woman named priscilla and then later on through the centuries uh the uh, catholic church came in and bought it and kind of oversee it now and stuff like that and i thought huh you mean the catholics weren't around back then huh because there was no such thing how about that 
That'll preach. But you understand, that's, that's powerful. But, but here's the point. They, they were most like, there were most likely multiple churches meeting together in the homes throughout Rome, one of which was started by Aquila and Priscilla. And they were special to Paul, he says here, because they put, had put their lives on the line for him, probably in the city of Ephesus, where if you read in the book of Acts, a riot broke out and, and Paul was almost killed uh, during that scene. Look down at verse number 6 too. Because it also says, Greet Mary who bestowed much labor on us. And this is not the mother of Jesus, Mary. Mary was a common name back then as it is now. But this Mary, it says, bestowed much labor on us. Now, note that phrase right there. Because though the language may seem to say Mary put a bunch of work on them, that's not what it's saying. It's saying Mary did much labor for them. And, and this is what's interesting to note. The word bestowed and labor together has the idea of toiling and working so hard that you can't do anything else. It's to the point of extreme fatigue or exhaustion. The point is this, both of these examples speak of the sacrifices that helpers make for the cause of Christ. They give up their lives. They give up the things they want to do. They give up their time. They give up their money. They give up their talent so they can serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Number three, here's what helpers do. Look at verse number five. And likewise greet the church that is in their house. Salute my well-beloved Epineatus, who is the first fruits of Achaia unto Christ. And, and, and so Paul mentions Epineatus, who was of the first fruits of Achaia. This means he was one of the first ones saved when Paul took the gospel to the region of Achaia on a second missionary journey. Look down at verse number 7. Salute Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen, and my fellow prisoners who are of a note among the apostles who also were in Christ before me. So he mentions Andronicus and Junius. They were kinsmen of Paul, most likely meaning they were fellow Jews. They had also been in prison with Paul. But now we find that they have served alongside the other apostles. They were saved before Paul got saved on the road to Damascus. Say, preacher, what are you getting at? What I'm saying to you is this. Here's what helpers do. They serve faithfully for a lifetime. The Christian life wasn't just some phase they were going through. It wasn't something, well, you know, preacher, we're just going to try this out, see if it works. Well, listen, let me help you with this. With that attitude, it's not going to work. But why don't you humble yourself and repent and get right with God and go all in and watch what God does in your life. Don't listen. They, they, you understand, this, these people were all in. They, 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 were, they were still serving the Lord after being saved for several years, even going through great uh, difficulty. They didn't quit when things got difficult. They didn't quit when they got tired. They didn't quit when, when tragedy hit. They stayed faithful and kept going for the glory of God. Look at verse number 17. He says, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them, for they that are such are not our, uh, not our, uh, they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. And so now we begin to see the characteristics of, of those that, that hinder here. And, and you can mark it down where God's looking to do a work, Satan will be right there opposing it. And I want you to, listen, 
And I want you to listen to this. Just as God is looking to do a work in and through His people to accomplish His will, Satan is right there looking for people for, for, him, for him to have people to use. And you, need to, and you need to understand this, child of God. Please, please understand this. Though you cannot be possessed by the devil, and praise God for that, that doesn't mean you still can't be a tool for the devil. I've seen, listen, I, I've seen Satan use a whole lot of saved people who are in the flesh. And he uses them just as much as he does lost people to hinder the work of God. Let me give you the characteristics of this. Look at verse number 17 again. He says, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned and avoid them. What I would say to you is this, is that where helpers have a submissive spirit, hinders have a spirit of pride. Where helpers encourage unity among believers by serving others, hinderers like to cause contention and strife. And here's what the Bible says about contention. Only by pride cometh contention. See, it's the prideful that want to cause problems. It's the prideful that criticize. It's the prideful that want to go against the grain and do their own thing and then turn around and slander the leadership. It's li- listen, and please understand this. I'm, I'm not against uh, people asking questions or suggestions that can help make things more efficient. I'm, listen, if you know me, I'm all about efficiency. I'm all about that. I, I'm all about making things better, improving things, whatever the case may be. But I will say this. It does matter how and when and even those who you make suggestions to. You, you understand when a... When, 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 a, when, when a husband comes in to make his wife's complaints known. And I, the, the, don't be surprised if this is the advice you get. Why don't you drive across the street to Home Depot and buy a backbone? See, it's the prideful that's always negative. It's the prideful that's always complaining. It's the prideful that's never content and satisfied. They love drama. Save the drama for your mama. You know what I'm saying? And here's the sad part. You know what the sad part is? Look at verse number 17 again. It says, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions, listen to this, and offenses contrary to the doctrine. You you know what happens? This is the sad part. They offend people. And the word offenses in verse 17 is literally a trap stick, a stumbling block that causes someone to trip up. The point is, while the helpers are trying to, get, to grow the church and to see people saved and to see people added unto the church, you know what the hinders are doing? They're, they're throwing stuff at them that causes them to get out of church. Look at verse 18. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. Where helpers sacrifice themselves, the hinderers are all about self. Hinderers are about serving, not about serving the Lord, about seeing Him glorified in the church. They're about themselves. They refuse to take responsibility for their actions. It's always somebody else's fault. It's always the pastor's fault. Always the pastor's wife's fault. It's always the assistant or the youth director. And they criticize and they complain. And they want to cause a mutiny where people follow them. And they're like Absalom when David was king. And he sat at the gate and told the people what they wanted to hear. 
He gave them half-truths and one-sided versions. Well, why? So the people would follow them or follow Him instead of the one that they were truly to follow. And this is the way hinderers are. They give, us, they give deceptive accounts to get people on their side because after all, they're the victim. Look at, look at verse 19 and 20. For your obedience has come abroad unto all men. I'm glad, therefore, on your behalf. But yet I would have you wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. What I would say to you is this, is that where helpers serve faithfully for a lifetime, the life of a hinderer usually doesn't end good. I realize he, no, no, no. I realize he's talking to the helpers right here and those that are faithful and encouraging them in the things of God and saying, listen, you're, you have victory. You're enjoying victory. God's going to put Satan under your feet, all of these things. But you've got to understand what he's also talking about is in the context of those that are opposing them, those that are trying to hinder the work, those that want to get mad and leave the church and gripe and complain. And what I have found in my lifetime of ministry is this, is that when they do that, it usually doesn't end real good. And they drown in their bitterness and their pride and get off into the world. And I'm just listening to make up, they ruin their lives, their families, and so on. It never ends up the way that they think. But you know what happens to God's people? They just keep being faithful. And God blesses. But what happens to them is also is often tragic. You know, you know what I found is this, is that when people have that spirit of hindrance in the things of God, is that their kids aren't oblivious to it. They see the pride. They see the rebellion towards authorities. And by the time they become adults, guess what? They have the same issues. And to the point where they don't want anything to do with God. I've seen lives and families totally destroyed. And here's how it started. Right here. They had a hindering spirit to what God was wanting to do in His church and in people around them, and even in their life and in their family. I'm through. Stand up. We're dismissing. Which one are you? Which one are you?